0: Hey, I want to welcome you if you're visiting with us again. My name is Ryan, I'm one of the pastor servant leaders here at Kettlebrook and we are we're so glad that we get to gather together as family. And uh, I'm really excited for this next series that we're going to be talking about. and I'll share a little bit about that obviously over the next 30 minutes. But a couple disclaimers. Um, one, we had said that we were going to meet in this room for the summer and for various reasons including really positive feedback, we decided we're going to meet in here for a time. And if It doesn't work or it's not enough room, then we can always go back to the gym. But we're going to be in here for a little bit. Uh, You'll notice that we probably, if you've been here before, we have some lighting. Now, someone gave me a hard time because when the lights are down, it has this hue of purple. If you want to blame someone, this is not because my wife's a Packer fan and I'm not and I cheer for someone in the NFC North. This is because our youth pastor said, that's the color you should use. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's use it. Okay? But um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this next four weeks. And one of the reasons I'm really excited is we're going to talk about our brand new mission statement. Am I a little bit loud? Yeah, you could turn me down, please. I feel loud. Um, We're going to talk about our new mission statement with our new series, Ethos, Who We Are. And over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this mission statement that you see if you could put up, Gary, please. A family of followers of Jesus helping others follow Jesus. A family of followers of Jesus, helping others follow Jesus. If you put up the next one, Gary. Week one, today we're going to talk about our gospel position as a family. Next week, we're going to talk about our gospel posture, that we're followers of Jesus, loving and serving others in the same way that God has loved and served us. Week three, we're going to talk about our gospel purpose, which is why we exist as followers of Jesus, is to help others follow Jesus. And week four, we're going to talk about our gospel passions that If we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a son or daughter of his, then he's gifted us to help fulfill his mission. Okay, that's where we're headed over the next four weeks. I want to show you another picture. If you could put up that first picture, Gary. So you can kind of see this. You can see myself, the ruggedly handsome guy on the right. You can see my beautiful wife and my son and daughter, Ben, and Maya. And So this is a picture of a vacation we took this summer, and it's not up there because it's about the vacation, but... If you do want to take a vacation where you drive so much that you almost hallucinate, Yellowstone is definitely your place. Okay, it is definitely your place. 21 hours there, 21 hours back, probably 72 while well, you are there. Not really, but it's a lot of driving. But why I put this picture up there is who's in this picture? My family. Yeah, I want to put another picture up for you, if you could please, Gary. Okay, now, again, you can't see this that well. Maybe let's turn the lights down for these pictures, please, like we had it for the music worship. Um, So if you look at this picture, uh, this is a time. uh, Right here is Kim Swank. Right here is Kurt Swank. And they are currently almost ready, come January, February of 2019, to be sent out to southern Russia to help people follow Jesus there, full-time, overseas, overseas missionaries and this is a gathering that we had this summer with some family members from this room Who were a part of this and it was a time to get together to hear from them Hear what life had been like and some like training they had been doing and also pray for them and encouraging encourage them This is uh, my brother Richard. He's here this morning. I saw Rick my brother. He's here I saw Dave my brother my sister Mandy and I could keep going on guess who's in this picture My family Okay, if you could put up the next picture, please. Now, this is a little bit zanier, okay? This is our missional community family. And uh, so, Nate, you just saw him in the Patriots shirt, right? Nate's up here. Lisa's here. You've got Kenley. You've got Eric. You've got Caleb. And so I've got nieces and nephews in this picture. I've got brothers and sisters. Guess who's in this picture? My family. So if you could put up that last picture, And we can turn the lights back up at this point. Thank you, Bridget. Here's the point I'm trying to make. What society would say is that first picture is my family. All the rest are my friends. What the scriptures would say, and so what we want to try and live out, is all three of those pictures are family. might not be biological family, but in God's eyes it's every bit family, just as much as if I had a brother or sister and my wife my kids. In God's eyes, it's all family. Here's what I want you to think. You can't really see this, and we'll get to this later, but think about this as you. Okay, think about this as you and your family, and I want to ask the question, who would be in the frame? Who would be in the frame? And you don't have to respond, because that would be a lot of responses, right? But if you think about, when you think of the word family, who fits inside here? And if you're a regular here, In this family, is anyone in this family in that picture frame? If you're a regular here, is anyone at this family, this spiritual family, inside that picture frame? If so, why? If not, why not? Imagine when you think about family for sure, if you're married, your spouse would be in there. If you have kids, for sure your spouse, your kids would be in there. Maybe grandparents, maybe grandkids, students. If your sibling got you a decent Christmas present last year, they might be in this picture, right? Maybe, 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 but we're pushing it, right? Who would be in this picture, frame, and Would it be anyone from this family? Uh, you can't see it, but this tagline here, and I'm sure this was unintentional, a family is a gift that lasts forever. A family is a gift that lasts forever. I'm sure whoever created this didn't think of this spiritually speaking, right? It's kind of like when Hallmark and the anniversary cards say, You never have bad breath, sweetie, when you wake up in the morning, right? It's like this idealistic thing that's not really true. That's why I struggle to buy those cards because I'm like, they're just so fake. But anyways, that's another topic. A family is a gift that lasts forever. Spiritually speaking, that's true. Spiritually speaking, that's true. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take the next three hours to unpack what a family is. According to God, okay? What does it mean to be family with each other? Brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews. And what we're saying is we, as Kettlebrook, a spiritual family, want to be family with each other. To do that, we're going to turn to 1 John. So, Gary, if you could put up that slide with the page number, please. Feel free, if you've got an app, turn to 1 John on your app. If you've got one of the Bibles under the chair, feel free to use that or your own. We're going to go to 1 John. Chapter 3, as we look at the fact that we are family. 1 John chapter 3, please. And what we're going to spend most of our time looking at is 1 John 3, 11 to 20. But I'm going to start a couple verses before that and look at 1 John 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 1. So 3.1 states this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that, that is what we are. I mean, isn't it amazing that God has so lavished his love on us that when we place our faith and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ, it's as if our sins, it's not as if, its our sins don't count against us. Psalm 103, as far as, the sin, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. When we're a part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, it's almost like it's it a great parallel to adoption. If I adopt a child, they're a Latour. When God adopts us, we're his sons and his daughters. And he adopts us when we place our faith that Jesus accomplished what we never could. He was perfectly obedient where we're not. He never messed up where Ryan continues to, and so do you. But it's as if God doesn't see us in all our mess-ups, all our screw-ups, all our sin. What he sees is like Jesus covering us, and he sees him in his obedience. I was just talking with a family member this past week about the realization of this, and they were so excited because it made sense. It clicked. I don't have to feel guilt and feel distance and feel shame from God when I mess up because it's done it's finished he has adopted me i'm his son i'm his daughter it doesn't mean you don't want to live for him but we live for him not because we have to but because we get to because of the great love that he has lavished on us and it it means is that today when i mess up and when i sin it doesn't mean i'm not his family member anymore it doesn't mean i'm not his son right How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called children of God, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what we're going to talk about through 11 through 20 is kind of because of that, in essence. Let's read 11 through 20. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who doesn't love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers, sisters is implied. Okay, where was I? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whatever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. I mean, this is such a rich text that one of Jesus' earlier followers, John, is writing to a group of people who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and how do we then thus relate to all these other followers of Jesus, aka family members. Then he begins by telling them, you should love one another. And he's like, this isn't new. This has always been. You should love one another. Verses 12 to 15 frame out what love isn't. Murder's not hard to see that that's not loving, right? And then verses 16 to 18 frame out what it is. And again, murder, that's, thats pretty easy to understand that that's not an act of love. The story of Cain and Abel is one where they're the kids of Adam and Eve, so the first people, and they both bring a sacrifice or an offering to God. Cain brings one that's kind of second best or leftovers. Abel brings one that is pleasing to God. And Cain gets all bent out of shape. And God's like, hey, you've got a chance to... Do the right thing or you know, sin is crouching at the door. And so what ends up happening, Cain murders Abel out of jealousy because he knew his, his actions were not righteous or right and Abel's were. I mean, it's pretty easy to see murder wrong, murder not loving, right? And then Jesus, though, like we talked about this summer in Matthew 5, he goes so far in John in, in verse 15 tells us that in God's eyes, it is the same thing as murder. Now, this is interesting because this might be new for some of us. God doesn't rank sins. He doesn't rank sins. What that means is, sure, we're going to have different earthly consequences. If I murder Dave, Dave, don't worry. If I murder Dave, I'm going to jail. If Dave hates me, he's not going to jail. There are different consequences, but in God's eyes, sin is sin, is sin is sin. All sin separates from us. All sin separates us from Him, where because of sin, until we place our faith in Jesus, we're not His kids. We're not His sons. We're not His daughters. Spiritually speak. Look at verse 14. This, is, this was interesting when I looked at this. We know we have passed from death to life because we, what does it say? Love our brothers. That's very interesting. Because what that seems to say, and it's not what it's really saying, it's like it's saying if I love Amanda well enough and she loves me well enough, well, then we're God's kids. Then we're his sons. Then we're his daughters. That's not what it's saying, right? Because then that's kind of like the merry-go-round of do, do I do enough to be good in God's eyes? Like do I earn his favor? He loves me. He loves me not. What it is saying is that as followers of Jesus, those adopted into God's family, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the normative expectation and result Is that we would love each other as family, as brothers, as sisters, as aunts and uncles, as nieces and nephews. That's what John is trying. He's he's speaking to people who already followed Jesus, who are sons and daughters of God. He says that throughout the book, and he's saying because of that, the normative expectation and reality is that we would love each other because we're part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters, and aunts and uncles, and nieces. And nephews. What that, what we, in the text, it's pretty amazing to note that John says the marker, the identifier of someone who is a follower of God, a son or daughter of his, is love for each other. Isn't that crazy? He says that's the marker. So we could talk about all sorts of things. Some people mistakenly think if you just have a bumper sticker that says X or if you just do this good deed or whatever. But but he says if we love our brothers and sisters, that's the mark of someone who's passed from being spiritually separated from God to being spiritually united to God in relationship. It basically says that we should be able to tell who's who by how we love each other. Now those who don't follow Jesus look at us and say, we don't do very well at that sometimes, and I would say, I don't. Right, but we are able to. We are expected to. We are called to. And again, it's not saying, if I just love Tom well enough and Greg well enough, then that means I'm a follower of Jesus. That's not how it works. It's saying that that's the normal expectation because I am. Think about that. Think about that with me. The church which is God's people, not a steeple, not an hour gathering, but the people who gather together, who love each other both within kind of the programs of the church and outside of it, it's supernatural what John is calling us to do, isn't it? Because in the church, the family, God is calling us to love people we don't have much in common with. He's calling you guys to love me as a Vikings fan. No, but really, he's calling you, you and me to love people we don't agree with. To love people we don't always see eye to eye with. To love people who are sometimes difficult to love and maybe just a tad bit quirky. And that's how we know it's God's love being shown through us because otherwise, without that, we can't do what we haven't experienced, at least consistently. Unless we've experienced God's love through Jesus Christ as His sons and daughters placed our faith in Him, it's going to be impossible to consistently love our family members right, with those who are maybe different politically, uh, ethnically, socioeconomically. And society, w- society isn't going to necessarily, I mean, we have a kind of a good moral society in Washington County here. They're not going to say, okay, those you see eye to eye with, hate them. Maybe politically on Facebook, right? I mean, maybe there. But typically, they're not going to say hate them. But they're just going to say ignore them, pretend they don't exist, Right? The other day, I was visiting one of our family members um, in, a, in a hospital-type setting because they're having some health struggles at this point. And um, they, I was just talking to them, trying to encourage them. And they talked about, you know, it's really, it's really hard kind of with my physical condition to have visitors at this point. They're in a group, a small group. Um, but they said, you know, when I get home, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need help with groceries. I'm going to need help with maybe cleaning, shopping, things like that. And when they asked it, they stated it pretty plainly. They weren't like this the whole time and then at the end kind of like, oh, man. I hate to ask you this, Ryan. Man, I feel bad. I don't even want to bring this up. But they weren't like that. They weren't gun shy. They weren't beating around the bush. They just stated it plainly that, you know what? When I'm home, I'm going to need some help. You know why they stated it just kind of plainly like that? What did they think their group would do? Help. Why? Because that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. Right? They help each other out in in all the little ways and the big ways. Like groceries. Like uh, doctor's appointments. Like cleaning. Whatever. That's what family does. Family loves each other in good times and bad. In hard times and easy. You're like, we're talking about marriage. Verse 16, it talks about what love is. Look at verse 16 with me. It defines love through Jesus' action of laying down his life for us. Laying down his life for us. Love, according to John, looks like Jesus laying down his life for us, dying for us, sacrificing himself for the good of his family members, his eventual family members. This is love, according to John. Jesus didn't have to do this. Do you remember when he's in the gardener, for some of you might not have heard this, but when he was in the garden before he died, he's like, God, if there's any other way. So it's not like he was like, woo death. He says, God, if there's any other way, but he says, not my will, but yours be done. He died so that we might have the opportunity to experience life in his family, his brothers and sisters. If you could put up that next clip, um, not the video, Gary, but just the slide. Uh, No, the the gentleman, the person one. You got that? Did anyone tell me who this is? If you could tell me who this is, i am very impressed. You're not supposed to know. That's the point. Anybody tell me? This is a gentleman by the name of Saman Gunan, maybe. I might have just really mispronounced his name, but I think that's how it's pronounced. Saman Gunan. I want you to watch a clip and you'll know who he is. มี Sea World นะครับครับไดฟ์วิ่งนะครับร่วมเดินทางด้วยนะนะครับขณะที่กําลังปรับมาเนี่ยก็แต่เจ้าตัวก็หมด So I don't know if you could see the, the, the words that were at the bottom. It's kind of hard to see, maybe. But he said, uh, we're going to get the kids out. We'll see you tonight. We're going to get them out. And obviously, he, he did not get out. I think the story is that as he was delivering oxygen tanks, on his way back one time, they found him unconscious. They tried to revive him, but obviously, he didn't make that. Did you hear what the, I don't know if you could read what the commander said at the end, but they said, he, they, we won't let his life be in vain. We'll not let Saman's life be in vain. See, Saman heroically risked and ultimately lost his life. Here's a picture, if you put the next picture up. This is the, I believe, at least the internet told me so, that there was the Thai soccer team who was rescued. Look at all those boys. I think that might be the coach on the left. But look at all these kids, not just through Simon, but through Simon also, that were given back life. They were given back life through his heroics. But in order for that to happen, someone had to die. He died. Such a fitting example of Jesus. Right? Through Jesus' death, for you and me, we have the opportunity to have spiritual life where we're sons and daughters of his, where our sins are forgiven, where we're given new life with new hope. And then we're able to help others experience the same thing. The Sergeant said, we will not let his life be in vain. And it's almost as if God the Father looks to us as his followers, as his family together, and says, don't let Jesus' life be in vain. Don't let Jesus' life and his death be in vain. Live out who we are as sons and daughters of God through how we love one another. Show the magnitude and the magnificence of our great God. We show what he's like. We lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We lay down our time. We lay down our money. We lay down our preferences. We lay down our rights. We lay down our privileges down the right to be right or to get even. We lay down the need to be noticed or rewarded. This might be some of what it looks like to love our family members, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not easy. And I said before, it's darn near possible outside of God's spirit living in us for us to consistently do this. Why? Because I'm selfish and I don't want all the time. Verses 17 to 18, they give us one example of what this might look like, too. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on it, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Translation, talking about love is cheap. Let's live love towards our brothers and sisters. About a week ago, I received an email from one of our family members here at Kettlebrook, and um, they shared that a couple weeks ago when we gathered together, uh, maybe it was even just last week, Mike spoke. And he spoke about, it was kind of Mike Moran, transitioned out of the lead pastor role. Troy's now the lead pastor. He talked about from the very beginning, he started Kettlebrook Church as a church that were it not to exist, the community would miss it. Right? Were it not to be here, the community would say, man, that is too bad. Because they, they wouldn't say in these words, but they show what God is like. They tangibly help. They tangibly serve. They tangibly love. They lead through humble servanthood, right? And so one of our family members was touched on this, and she said, I I remembered a moment from a few weeks prior. We were at a a music event with some other family members, and a few days before, a group of people was going to help me with some painting. And somehow it came up that two of my brothers were going to help me, and a family member said to her, what, friends from church? And they said, I didn't think about it at the time, but then this message, Mike's message, made me think about it more. You know, my relative has experienced Kettlebrook when a group raked her lawn. And then again, when I attended this person's spouse's funeral. And now only knowing a few members or family members from Kettlebrook, what they've done is associated God working, God serving through us. Serving the community and serving each other. they said, you know, it might have only been simple things like raking and painting and different things like that. But she said, now that to me is family. That to me is family. Just the normal, everyday stuff. The other day I, I needed help. Again, I need a lot of help in many ways. Emotionally, spiritually, Physically. (laughs) The other day I needed help, though, tangibly, um, I needed a vehicle that could tow something because my Civic just wouldn't get the job done. And so I asked a family member for, uh, you know, if I could use their vehicle. They said, well, of course, we're family, right? And so when I hear statements like that and when I get an email like this and when I hear us talk in this way, it brings my heart great Joy because I feel like, you know what? We haven't arrived. We never will. But we're on our way to being a family. We're on our way to being a family where we care about each other, where we love each other, where we serve each other and those outside the family. I didn't even get to that yet. But on a consistent basis, not because we have to, but because God has first loved us, so then we're called to love each other. We're called to love each other. And one of the most exciting aspects of feeling like we're on the way to becoming more and more of a family is what this verse says here in John. John thirteen thirty five. Read this with me, please. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Let's read that last part again. If. Isn't that amazing? He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Not if you know your Bible front to back. Now, I'm not saying that's not important. Knowing our Bible is important, but that's not what it says. It's not if we listen to certain music and miss other certain music. It's not if we're involved in like, all these programs and things like that, which, again, are good and can be good. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's pretty intense. That's a pretty huge statement that Jesus is making there. I'm going to try and apply this um, in several ways. And these are going to be applications specific to our family here in Jackson. If you're visiting with us, some of these applications potentially could be more for those of us who are plugged in, connected here, just so you don't feel like, yeah. Anyways, we have a bunch. You guys might not notice it, uh, but in order to gather together like we do every single Sunday, it takes a whole bunch of people who sacrifice their time, their talents, their abilities. Anywhere from children's ministry to music worship, to hospitality, which is food and drink, to sound, to media, to setting things up, even though there's less now. There's a whole bunch of people who sacrifice a whole bunch of their time for us to do this. It's amazing how many people we have plugged in. It really is amazing. And we couldn't do it otherwise. It would just be me up here with no microphone and a music stand. That would be all it was. So it's amazing how many people we have plugged in And serving in some way. But we have needs in all of these areas. Children's ministry, usher, music, worship, hospitality, media, sound, set up and take down. And what a family does is a family helps with that. So what I'm not trying to do is make you feel guilty. But what I am trying to say is family helps each other. Right? We own it together. And think about it this way. As family, we get the opportunity no matter how. It's really not about the donuts. It's really not even about the message. God's message, not my message. It's not about the chairs. It's not about the sound. It's not about um, the children. What it is is all of those pieces coming together to join the puzzle of us hearing and seeing the good news of Jesus Christ on a regular basis. The hour isn't the totality of what it means to follow Jesus. It's just the beginning. Right. But it's an important hour. And we have needs for those teams. But also, it's a huge blessing to the family. And it's really serving God not me, not Kettlebrook. So if you're not on a team, what I'd encourage you to do is think and pray about that. It's once a month, typically. That you could serve on different teams. I didn't even put music Yeah, I did put music words. All of those. My wife said, can you talk about nursery? I said, well, it's probably included in that. But, so that was my first application. If you're not on a serving team, I'd invite you and challenge you to think about how could I participate in the family in that simple, easy way. There's about 48 hours of training, then you're set Good, you laugh. Second, if you are not plugged in outside of this hour, I would, consider, I would invite you to consider joining a group of some sort. We have small groups. We have missional communities. We have kind of like smaller discipleship groups, same-sex, meaning men with men and women with women. And the reason I think that these are so important is if we gather for 60 minutes, what do you do for 30 minutes? I'll give you a hint. It's happening. Listen, do you dialogue? Not really. Are there questions that come up in your head? Are there areas where you're like, man, you missed that, Ryan? Yeah. The Richard's like, every single Sunday. Right? But it, we, it's, it's more of a monologue. It's not a dialogue. It's not a give and a take. You know, I can communicate, but there's, it's not a dialogue. And learning happens best when we can give and take and dialogue and ask questions and, and encourage each other and challenge each other and love each other. And it usually involves eating food together. Um, so really important to being a family for us as Spiritual Family Kettlebrook here is involvement outside of this hour. Why? Friendships. I didn't even mention the relational aspect. I mean, we grow in Jesus through relationships. And we can have semblance of a relationship listening for a half hour, but we don't have true relationship, right, through just that. We need relationship with others who are going to point us to Jesus outside of this time to laugh with, to cry with, to serve with, to be served by. We need families. So our hope is that every single person who calls Kettlebrook their family would be plugged in in a group of some sort, whether that's at Hartford. Whether that's in Slinger, whether that's in Jackson or Germantown or West Bend, it doesn't matter. But our hope is that people would be plugged in. And here's the other thing. People will be blessed by you. You have things to offer. Right? It's not like, okay, check the box, two-hour attendance. God wants to use you to help encourage other people to follow Jesus. Whether they're just figuring it out in their journey, whether they've followed him for 30 years, God wants to use you. So if you haven't experienced a group, of some sort, i invite you to think and pray about it this fall. Now, I get it. When I talk to people regularly, they, they don't want to do that, and there's all sorts of reasons for that which I get, right? Some of them revolve around um, time, and that's just one more thing in my schedule. We tend to be a, a somewhat busy culture. You should laugh at that. Okay? Some of the fears revolve around being known and wondering if, if I engage and I'm known, will people like me? What will they think of me? Will they accept me? Some of them revolve around feeling inadequate in how much someone knows about the Bible. That's a very common one. Some of them revolve around taking relational risks. And I I get it. I get it. And had I planned better and asked someone, I could have people up here who felt all those things, joined a group, and then quit. No, who felt all those things, joined a group, and none of our groups are going to be perfect because we have imperfect people. But they're like, wow, this is different than I thought it would be. This is different. This is kind of cool. Third, how I want to apply this is as, as family members, as sons and daughters of God who are dearly loved by him and who are a part of this family, maybe God is putting it on your heart to practically love one of our family members. Maybe God is putting it on your heart to practically love a coworker, a neighbor, an extended biological family member who's not a part of this family. Who would that be? Is there anyone that God is putting on your heart that you can show the love of God in a tangible way, by listening? People really like it when you listen, because we're not very good at it. Have you ever noticed that? People really like it when you listen well and ask good questions. Why? Because all we do is talk. Listening. Maybe it's a gift you get them. I'm moving here soon, and my plan is I bought, there's a neighbor who's very dear to me. I love him like an uncle. And he's a tool guy. He's a handy guy. So I found a, like, craftsman, rugged, kind of, like, steel sign that I'm going to give him. He puts his initials on everything, and then I'm going to write a note on the back, letting him know how much he means to me. And that probably out of anyone in my old neighborhood who I'm going to miss the most is him. try and encourage him. It doesn't matter what, but is there someone God's putting on your heart to love? And how could you love them? You know, we're talking about family too. Um, Later on today, parts of this family are getting together because we're going to go to Pike Lake because there's two of our family members who couldn't be a part of our annual baptism gathering who want to get baptized. I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of that. I'm not even getting in the water. Not why I'm excited, okay? (laughs) But that isn't so bad. But our family is getting together so that two of our family members can declare I'm a follower of Jesus and to show that I want to be baptized. It's amazing that we get to be a part of this. I don't have a good ending here. So my encouragement for us would just be one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called children of God? My prayer would be that we could let that sink down deep, to the point where it would have to. There's no other result that we would be called and led to therefore love each other as family. Let's pray, and the music worship team will come back up. Father, thank you for this morning thank you that we can gather together, kind of starting off the fall. School has started, sports have started, and it's so great to be able to gather together as family, as your dearly loved sons and daughters, brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what otherwise we couldn't do and to love consistently because he first loved us. Might we continue to grow to be a family of followers of who help others follow Jesus and this family said